0: Hour two, Sean Hannity show toll free. It's 800-941 Sean. If you want to be a part of the program on this Friday, right, we're going to take a little, a little break, much needed break from everything that's going on with top secret, classified information, hypocrisy, media mob, insanity. Uh, and we're going to talk to our friend. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a pleasure to have in studio somebody who's a really genuine genuinely a great friend of mine, somebody I have enormous respect for. Uh, but we are friends. He's taken a lot of crap, uh, for that, more than I've had to take for being his friend. I don't know why. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is with us. Uh, what's up, buddy? You got your new book out. It's called Straight Shooter. Yeah. A memoir of second chances and first takes. And by the way, I want everyone to know it's available on Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. And now before I get into this book shocked me mm. and I read it cover to cover and I am i don't get shocked often. My first question is, when did we first get to know each other? Because I, I don't remember. I'm trying to think. Listen,
4: um, <clears throat> during 2009, when ESPN let me go. Um, I was doing. I was on the circuit, you know, Fox, MSNBC, and I was all over the place, and I was doing interviews because I was thinking about a career that expanded beyond the world of sports. And you know, I used to be on ABC Radio and and, and stuff like that. And then you had me on, and I you, you were I sh- defended you. Yes, you did. Well, you did. That that is true. You absolutely defended me with some of the controversies that I had been involved in in the years that followed. But at that particular moment in time, I go on the air with you and I'm going back and forth with you about my opinions. But you're like, wait a minute. This guy's not off his rock. And you thought I was going to be some left, some, some, some left wing zealot or whatever. And you found out that listen, I'm a, I'm an independent. Yeah. I've got some left wing views about things and I've got some things that I'm conservative about. And so all of a sudden we could have a discussion and it was a, an, an agree to disagree kind of relationship without there being any kind of animosity. And from that point forward, we've always kept in touch. We've always communicated and you've always invited me on. Your shows
0: and here's the here's the thing that shocked me about the book and where I don't get shocked that often I I, I we never had that time to sit as friends and talk about life mm-hmm and I read this book. I will tell you, I teared up another number of times. I had no idea about how, how hard your life was when you were young, mm-hmm. the adversity that you had faced, uh, the challenges you had to overcome. Um, and, and now I admire you that much more for it. Let me, let me give an example for ex- in this book because I, I read that you had left, been left back twice. Yes. In fourth grade third grade i got left back i was in third the, and fourth but whatever i got
4: left back in the third grade that june i went to summer school and then i got promoted to the fourth grade
0: and then after i went i
4: completed the fourth grade i got left back again and this time held back for the entire fourth grade
0: year right, right. okay now the, this is where it gets really hairy for me and that is that you hear overhear a conversation between your mother and your father yeah and that conversation is your dad pretty much dismisses you as, as dumb and stupid and, and get over it. This is just the way it's going to be. And then your mom heard it and, and realized that you had heard it. Well, she was talking to him in the kitchen,
4: and we had a back porch just a few feet away. The door was closed, but the window was open. And... I was sitting on the back porch crying because the kids in the neighborhood were all laughing at me because they found out I got left back and they was I was the only one on the block that got left back. And so I was pretty embarrassed and I went to the back porch and while I was sitting back there sobbing, my mother didn't know I was back there. My father didn't know I was back there and they were in the kitchen just a few feet behind me with the door shut. Obviously, they didn't see me and my father looked at her and he was like, he just ain't smart. Just get over it. That's You just got to accept it. That's You don't have it. Just, just live with that. I
0: mean, that's devastating. It was. That's, that's emotionally devastating. You start the book out in your introduction, uh, talking about the day your mom dies. Yeah. And talk about that day and the difference between your mom and dad in terms of the impact in your life and your dad. You actually ended that introduction by saying, because of him, I've never taken more than three drinks in a week in my life. Right. Uh, I've never smoked or done drugs, including, marijuana or right. what i refer to on my show as the weed yes i, I never yeah. married partly because i'm usually on the road for well over half the year uh but mainly because i never wanted to dishonor my marital vows Correct. this plays well, into your dad so talk about the day <laughs> your mom dies and the re- your relationship with your dad my
4: mother died june 1 2017 it was opening game for golden state cleveland cavaliers uh that series and for me it to this day, is the most devastating thing that ever happened to me. My mother was my everything. Uh, we were very, very close, very tight. And because of the relationship that I had with my father and because of the kind of man uh, that he was, it put an inordinate amount of responsibilities on her shoulders. And the resentment that I had, you know, with my sisters, the difference between us is that they looked at his infidelity, the womanizing, stuff like that. My biggest thing was... He didn't pay bills and he left the onus, that responsibility on the shoulders of my mother. So my mother would work 16 hours a day, seven days a week. She'd work at Queens General Hospital and then go from Queens General Hospital right over there near the Grand Central Parkway, right down the road to a nursing home. And she'd work from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. seven nights a week for 20 straight years with one week's vacation. And to me, we had to do she had to do that because of what he didn't do. And so for me to get to a point where my career was ascending and I was able to do things for her that I never would have dreamed that I would have been able to do and for her to have her life cut short after a lengthy battle with cancer um, it was seven episode, years seven years, seven year battle with cancer and then I had been at the house that night and my sisters were around or whatever and we just thought that we knew she was transitioning to some degree but we thought you know what she, she'd survive whatever so I went home to go get some sleep. Knowing I was going to come back in the morning and I live about 45 minutes away and I pulled into my driveway and my sister Carmen get back here now. That's all she said. And I didn't even park. I didn't even change. I just turned right back around and I drove home. And by that time she was gone and I saw my sister Abigail spooning on hugging her. And I just saw her lay in the emotionless and I just collapsed on the bed and I crumbled and I don't even remember how long I cried. And I remember that for the next year the year and a half, there wasn't a day that I didn't cry. And I was just devastated all the time. Go on TV. I remember one time you interviewed me about something, everybody. And I was very good at being in the moment and handling my business. But the second I got alone, all I could think about was her. And the misery just couldn't, I just couldn't get out of my head seeing her motionless and knowing that she was gone. What didn't
0: make sense to me is that your mom wanted your dad next to her. Yes. And he spent most of this night where she's passing. Mm-hmm. Watching, I believe, the Golden State Warriors yes. against somebody. Yes. And barely going up there and even saying, holding her hand.
4: Correct. Yeah, he, that was, that was him. Um, I'm quite sure in his own way, he believed he loved my mother dearly, but the selfishness, uh, never escaped him in my, in my estimation. It was difficult for me to say because it's not like I didn't love my dad. I wish he was better. Uh, but the damage that his inactions, the, da- the, the damage that his irresponsible behavior caused the family, Especially her was really something that resonated with me. And, you know, from the night that she passed away, I mean, it was even the time before that. It was a couple of months before she passed. My sisters and I huddle and we look at him and we sit him down. He's like, she needs you by her side. And he said, you know, West Indian accent, stuff like that. Ah, you don't know. Your mother, the way he was I from do. the Caribbean, that's right. He's from St. Thomas. You know, my mother and my father were from St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Uh He was really from Antigua, but they lived. They was born. In, she was born in St. Thomas. They were both raised in the St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. All my relatives are from the West Indies. And he said, "All you don't know your mother the way that I do. He said, she's not sick. It's all an act. And I looked at him and I got in his face and I said, what the F did you just say? Yeah. I said, she's sick. She's dying. And he looked me dead in my face. He said, I got it. I understand. And I said, What do you mean you got it? Your daughters all four of your daughters are sitting right here. They just told you. They just told you. And he said, They're not you. They're women. So he wouldn't listen to my sister say the same thing that I said because they were women. And, you know, it it's just it's just an example of the many, many things that, you know, I had to deal with in growing up because on one hand you got this man that you want to respect you and you want to love you and you want his approval. But on the other hand, I'm a young man who dearly loves my mother, my four older sisters, and I have these five women who are strong-willed black women who raised me to be who I am, who deserve all the credit in the world for what I've been able to achieve and accomplish in my life.
0: I want to explain that in a minute because there's a story behind that. Uh, But overhearing that conversation, what your dad said, the exact words were... He's just not that smart. He'll never succeed. Just yes. accept that. Yes. I believe in the next day you wrote about how your mom took you to see the movie the Grease, Grease, something she'd never That's do. Right. Yeah. Um that to me was pretty hard to hear. It was hard for me to read that you, I, I, the way it read it was I thought you got back left back twice in the fourth grade, but it was third grade, then yes. you went to summer school, right. but then you got left back in the fourth That's grade. That's right, and held back
4: and had to repeat the fourth grade.
0: And then there was this guy, I don't remember his name, that you, you talk about in the book that you talk, brought you and your mom into school, yeah. and started telling your mom, now you had figured out at some point, they didn't have the word for it at the time, mm-hmm. that you were dyslexic. Dyslexic, dyslexic yes. Okay. So, and that's a, we know that's real. Yeah. They didn't know it then. Correct. They didn't have that name then. Correct. But this, this school principal person, teacher, teacher, whatever it was. Mr. Caravan. Okay. He, he brings your mom in. And says, "Uh, uh, uh, this kid's smart as hell." <laughs> right. I said, "He gets bored easily. If yeah. he's not interested in that topic, he's not interested." Right. Find something he's interested in, and watch what happens. He will be a star. Is that a direct that's quote? In, that's a direct quote. You definitely did read the book. I read exactly, the book. That's exactly what he
4: said. And how it, right he was. It was. It was life changing because he was a, a teacher that had the power to fail me or pass me or whatever. And he sat my mother down and he said, he drifts. He said, when he's bored, he doesn't hear you he Said people think he doesn't comprehend. No, he never heard you because he's not listening. It went in one day and out the other. He can't tell you what you said because he paid no attention to it. He <laughs> said, because that's how he gets. He said, but when you find something that he's interested in, make no mistake. And here's the interesting part. I was interested in two things. I was interested in sports And I was interested in politics, but not as a politician. I loved the issues. I loved watching debates. I loved watching whether it was mayoral figures. It was gubernatorial figures. It was, that's why you, that's why you text me and give
0: me so much of your BS all the time. It's
4: not BS. I'm usually right, Sean. I'm usually right. Just tell the world
0: I'm usually right. But it's okay. Um, Then there was a a moment where, man, this is rough stuff. Yeah. Where I guess your sisters were, were giving you a hard time and you were you were the accident. Right. Meaning. Yeah, they, they were just playing around. They were always talking Man. about,
4: oh, please, you know, cause I'm the youngest of six. My oldest sister, Linda, is 10 years older than me. Yeah. My sister, Arlen, is eight years older than me. My brother, my late brother that died in a car accident in 1992, he was nine years older than me. So you yeah, had Linda at 10, Basil at nine, Arlen at eight, my sister, Abigail, who was six years older, six years older than me, right. and Carmen is four. So four years separated me from Carmen. So they used to be like, you know what, you're, you weren't attention, you were an accident, blah, blah, blah. My mother said, oh, you shut up. He was the only one who was on purpose.
0: That was a good line. That (laughs) That was was pretty cool. That was her line. So she would say that all the time. when they figured out that this was a a reading issue, and it didn't have the name dyslexia, then a number of people, including your sisters, I believe, in your life... They made it their business to get you up to speed primarily, in terms of reading.
4: Primarily my older sister Linda. Um, her. Linda was a vill- uh, brilliant valedictorian in school. Um, and she was somebody that would sit me down and, and literally taught me how to read. And then on the side, when I'd go over my friend Ronnie Robertson's house, who lived right around the corner from me, his older brother Tiver was also very brilliant and, they would they wouldn't collaborate with one another but separately they both worked on me overcoming my reading comprehension impediment and that was when i was able to really really take things to a new height
0: and then you, you start in radio. Yes. And you make your way into television. By the way, I made more than you in my first job. You made okay. 15 grand. I made 19. Yes. That
4: was the newspapers,
0: though, for me. 15,000. That wasn't bad. What, what no, was the first bad. one? Gre- uh, yeah, yeah. Greensboro News. Greensboro News. Yeah. Greensboro And News then you and right. went to the high Philly, Point Bureau. They're not. Philly Inquirer.
4: Philly Inquirer was after the New York Daily News as a high school reporter for 14 months.
0: Uh, and then you had your first stint. On TV, and that didn't end very well, and you went two years being off TV. Well,
4: that was ESPN in 2009. I mean, I started off in television at CNNSI SI in 1999. I went to Fox Sports in 2001. I ended up at ESPN in 2003, and in 2009, ESPN decided to let me go over a contract dispute. And so after, when, you know, when that happened, um, you know, I was, I was out of a job, uh, from that, that May, uh, to that February. And then after that, um, I came back on and I was doing radio. And then I did radio for a year for Fox Sports Radio. And then they brought me back to ESPN radio, but they prohibited me from being on television. But that changed. We'll pick yes. it up
0: from, we'll pick up the story from there. Stephen A. Smith is with us. What, what an incredible. I, I mean, starting at a, de- with a deficit that's, you know, your own father thinks you're not going to make it. You're not smart. You're stupid. Just accept it. And now one of the biggest stars in all of sports, radio and television. Uh, he's now out with his own memoir, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. It'll bring tears to your eyes and it'll make you cheer for this guy more and more as you get to know and see what he went through and how he's been able to turn his life into this great success. Uh, There's a lot for everybody to learn, including yours truly. I've learned a lot in this book.
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: All right, we continue. Our buddy, Stephen A. Smith, in studio with us today Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Uh, You can get it at Amazon.com, a first print edition, Uh, Hannity.com. Bookstores everywhere. Don't you have signed copies on Premiere? Yes. You know what? What's the website? I can't
4: believe it's com. but I cannot believe I still have my right arm. I signed, <laughs> personally. personally signed,
0: 25,000 signatures. I got you beat. I did 80. You did
4: 80,000?
0: Yeah. I did. Wow. com. I, I did straight Or an autographed copy?
4: I think, I think that I would hide from Simon and Schuster if they came to me with <laughs> you a request 80000
0: Did I not do 80000 Yes. Your own 80, person is... Oh a, my lord. We love dearly. Alright, quick break. Right back. More with Stephen A. Uh, and his incredible life story on the other side.
6: If you missed any of Sean's show today, catch up tonight on demand
3: at 710WOR.com slash podcast. Sean Hannity talks to the people involved
0: in the top stories of the day every day. Sean Hannity is on. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Stephen A. Smith, in just a second, I want to remind you, our friends at MyPillow, they have brought back their original MySlippers. They're back in stock. Last time, you made them the number one selling MyPillow product, and I have a feeling you're going to want to stock up again. Uh, My uh, Slippers now come in a ton of additional sizes, all new colors, uh, usually 90 bucks, now only $49.98 per pair. You go to the MyPillow.com website. You click on the Sean Hannity Square and there you are. They have other deep discounts on other great MyPillow products. What you'll love about MySlippers is their exclusive four layer design and you're not going to find it in any other slipper. Patented layers make these slippers ultra comfortable, extremely durable. Now they help relieve stress on your feet and can help, uh, you can wear them anywhere, anytime. You're going to love them, comfortable, fun, good for your feet and relaxing. And what a, what a moment of your life, right? How often do we get to relax? <laughs> anyway, just uh, on sale now, forty nine ninety eight. Call now, 800-919-6090. Mention my name or go to mypillow.com. Click on the Sean Hannity Square. There are other deep discounts on other great MyPillow products as always. Stephen A. Smith really doesn't need an introduction. Uh, we, his new book is out, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and, and first takes. You told another story. So we, we go through this whole Evolution in your life, man. You have a, such a painful childhood. What admiration I have for your mom. We've talked about we have similar yes. moms. My mom was a prison guard working sixteen hours a day, seven days a week, just yeah. like yours. Um my I didn't have the stress that you had with your father, yeah. and that's tough. And that really was those words that you heard were brutal. But you overcome this. You find sports as a passion. Mm. You start looking, I think you mentioned names like Brian Gumble. Yeah. Um and you mentioned but Brent Musburger I think yes. you mentioned Howard Cosell Howard Co- Howard Bob Cosell Costas. speaking of sports. <laughs> um, uh, I love Howard Cosell yes. with Muhammad Ali. Greatest. There's no better. There's no better. Nothing better. Um, and then you run into a situation you're you're playing basketball yourself. Yeah. In uh Winston Salem. Yes. Okay, and you have a coach. Yeah, Clarence Big House Games L- like a, like a second father to you. Yeah, legend. Okay, something happens to the coach with his health. Yeah. I could not believe what I read. <laughs> I could not believe you did this. Right, yes. Tell the story. He had some health
4: issues. I don't know what it specifically was. I thought it was mild stroke. Somebody said it could have been cerebral palsy. I don't know what it was, but sometimes he would show up to practice in games with a patch over his eye, and he would, you know, he would lose conscience to some to be like semi conscious at, at 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 particular moments in time. So, I was a member of the basketball team. I'm writing for the school newspaper. And I said, I always would sit in this office and talk with him. You loved him. I I loved him dearly. Always will. And, you know, I would talk to him and I said, coach, you need to retire. You're not healthy. And we got into a little argument about it. He said, I don't give a damn what you say. Shut the F up and get the hell out of my office right now. I said, coach, I'm dead serious. I'm not going to watch you collapse on the sidelines and stuff like that. You got a long life ahead of you.
0: add, Add something here. You really had a genuine fear he would
4: die. Yes yes I did a lot of us did on the team we didn't know it wasn't educated we just looked went by what we were seeing from him and so I said to him I'm right for the school newspaper I said I'm gonna write a story that you need to retire and he said to me you know I don't give a f what you write you know I said get the hell out of my office I said okay I said you got a problem with that he said do what you want to do and I went and I wrote the story about how he needed to retire and so so many people would take giving me heat about it. oh my lord you got you got teammates that were praying that i wouldn't lose my scholarship you had coaches that wanted me gone the chancellor of the school he later denied that he had any recall of it whatsoever but he wanted me gone or whatever and folks showed up to his office one day and coach Gaines said leave him alone he said he looked me in my face told me what he felt and why and he got my perspective and then he went and he wrote it he wants to be a journalist this is what comes with it. Leave him alone.
0: What was the net result?
4: Well, I stayed on scholarship. Um, and we just moved forward. And then ultimately, uh, a few years later, uh, he was pushed out. Uh, by by some alumni members who I'm still salty with because I thought they were very shady in how they went about dealing with him. They didn't deal with him on the, on the up and up. And considering what he had meant to that institution, being there for over 45 years, winning a national championship, being a perennial powerhouse, the black men that he had brought to HBCUs and a contribution that he had made to so many of our lives because it wasn't just about sports. You could be a great athlete, a great a great player, but Coach Gaines was the kind of person if that is all you were about. Right. He did not want to talk to you outside of the basketball court. You had to be about something more than that. And when, in my case, I wasn't great on the basketball court, plus I was perpetually injured, but he looked at the contribution he thought that I would have off the court. And
0: that's why he talked to me all the time and he embraced me. Let's go back to the teacher that first identified you had this gift, this brilliance, mm-hmm. uh, this passion, mm-hmm. and that you, in fact, were smart as hell, smarter than anybody knew, and that you would be a star. Mm-hmm. Because it's interesting, and I talk a lot about this on the program, and for some people this is a little repetitive, but... You know, I studied Latin in high school. Okay. The Latin derivative for education is to bring forth from within. Mm. And what this man was identifying to you and your mother is what he saw in you, a mm. gift God gave you. Yeah. Which is, like me, you have a big mouth. <laughs> and, and, but you have a passion. Right. Well, I have a passion. I got behind a radio microphone. That was it. Game mm. over. No. Checkmate. That's all I wanted to do. Period. I was mm. done. Right. There was nothing else I was going to pursue. Well, so you you found it in sports, and once you identified it, it was like a rocket ship. It was a rocket ship,
4: because what happened is is that he was a social studies teacher, and he would see how my interest, my fervor, and my knowledge would seem elevated with certain subjects compared to others. So he was like, you're interested in this. Why is it this way? And I was like, this bores me. And he figured out that... My, you know, whatever level of excellence I put forth was contingent on what I was passionate about. And so when he said that to my mother, it was like, wow, okay, now I took that. Well, I'm passionate about sports. Then I coupled that with the insults that still resonated with me coming from my father. So all of a sudden, he was a Yankee fan. Now I'm watching baseball, and I know baseball. You mentioned Greg Nettles. Yeah, Greg Nettles, Chris Chambliss, yeah. and Ron Guidry, Goose Gossage, and all of these guys. So I'm studying, and I'm watching a game, and all of a sudden, you know, before long, my father's like, what the hell is going on here? He, he ain't as-, as dumb as I thought he was. This dude is telling me about what's going on in sports.
0: And, and you, you and, and, described your father would sit there. Why did he throw a, fa- why did he throw a fastball? Should have thrown a slider. That's right. Why did that idiot swing at this pitch? Or why did that third base coach wave the runner home? Which that graded him more than anything.
1: He could, because his
4: whole point is you ain't the manager. You got one job. Right? How is it that you can't do that one job? Keep this dude from getting thrown out at home. How could you mess that up? So my father was real big on those things and he was passionate about it. Well, in order to sit up there and debate with him or exceed his level of knowledge I had to really study the game and so I used to watch these games and watch them over and over and over again and it got to a point where I knew what everybody's job description was and that's how I mastered the sport so when he would come back and say this pitcher made that mistake I said no dad actually he didn't make that mistake that particular hitter he was throwing the ball against he always is susceptible to the slider that's why he threw the slider the mistake that he made was throwing a fastball because he was waiting for that pitch That's and my father's like what the hell is going on here. You know, He said, well, why the hell did this guy, can't? he can't even hit a single. Well, Dad, he always swings and he always pulls the ball. So what yeah. they do is they take the second baseman and the shortstop and they lean him over to the left because they know he's going to pull the ball at all times. So if he just lays off of it a little bit, it'll get a we'll bit to the, in the right other side. Field. It'll yeah. go to the other side. And all he right. saw that, he was like, what the hell is going on? I can't believe this. And he would tell my mother, I can't believe what's going on here.
0: One more story about your mom yeah. prior to her obviously passing away yeah. is when you got fired, She kicked your ass. Yeah, she did. She put you in your place. Yeah. By the way, I wish I knew. She sounds so much like my mother. I love it. Jennifer's not even listening. You should be listening, Jennifer. Well, believe it a lot. She didn't know you that well, but she would
4: have loved the relationship that you and I have. Because my mother, this is the thing, and this is what I try to tell a lot of folks about a, a lot of African Americans, a lot of black people in this country. You might have a lot of people voting Democrat. That is not what goes on in our home. Our homes are very, very conservative. My mother don't want to hear about your rights. Yeah, you, know, you got a right to shut the hell up and do what the hell I tell you to do. Or your father's gonna whip you behind. That's what you ain't got no rights here. You get rights when oh, you get man. grown. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, we're gonna budget. No, we're not gonna just spend. Excuse me. What do you mean, spend, spend? Do you have the money? What is yeah. what's going on here? My, my, my mother was a stickler for all of those things. You know, you got gay rights, transgender, all of this other stuff. No, not my mother's household. She won't hear none of that. This is my household. <laughs> and whatever's going out on in the streets is going out on in the streets. But in this household, we're a christian household okay this is the way i might be episcopalian i'll allow you to be non-denominational but that's about the level of flexibility that we gonna have in this house get the hell over it this is the way it was gonna be my mother didn't play she didn't play at all there was no compromise and so my mother was that uh, of that ilk and she was that type of person so when i got let go by espn i come home and i'm laying down in my bunk bed where i grew up and my mother was always good, but she wanted my, I know she knows I loved my toasted bagels with a little extra butter, some scrambled eggs and my hot tea with milk and sugar and stuff like that. Oh that's man, that's what I, I love. Did that's she give what,
0: you a little, little teddy did, bear did, 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 too? No, that, she but. did
4: not, but she didn't have to. All that right. was my teddy bear, that food, <laughs> right? So I'm in the house and this one particular day, as I write in the book, it's a tray. It's a tray of the food and the tea and some orange juice and on there is a handheld mirror. And I was like, what is this? And she said, I'm wondering when you're going to take a moment to look at yourself. It's real easy to point the finger at what they did. But what about what you did? And then she went in on me about times that she overheard me on the phone and I was being cynical about the bosses. I was being cynical about decisions that was made. Um, I would push back and argue a little bit too much. I was never insubordinate or disrespectful, but I, I, I was I made life a bit uncomfortable. And she was like. You're not a boss and you don't like people telling you what to do and talking to you like that. She was like, why should they want you if you're going to cause them that kind of headache? When are you going to look at yourself? And that's what she said to me as she walked out the room. There's nothing I could
0: say. Quick break. More with Stephen A. Smith on the other side. Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Uh It's on Amazon.com. We have a big link on Hannity.com. And, by the way, straightshooterbook.com, if you want an autograph copy. I want to remind you, this is the gift of all gifts. I wish I'd thought of this company. It's called Legacy Box. We have a special website set up for you. It's legacybox.com slash Hannity. It's very, very simple. If you take a few moments, you go up in the attic. Uh, you go in the garage. You go in your closet. You go in your basement. You find all family photos you can find. You find videotapes. You find camcorder tapes. You might even have film reels. And our friends at Legacy Box, you pour it right into the box. They take it. They digitally preserve it in perpetuity. It's a great gift for your entire family. You get the originals back. And then think about this. Many, many generations from now, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren will know what you look like. I would love to know what my great-great-great-great-great-grandparents look like. Anyway, you're going to love Legacy Box for your whole family. Just go to their website, LegacyBox.com slash Hannity. Take advantage of this exclusive offer. Even Stephen A. Smith is going to do it. We'll continue on the other side.
3: Up next, our final roundup and information overload hour.
0: Stephen A. Smith is with us. His new book is out. Man, this is a great book. Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Uh, by the way, Amazon.com, Hannity.com. If you want an autograph copy, it's Straight straightshooterbook.com. It's that simple. You know my son is your biggest fan, yeah. although he can't stand it we, when you're going down on his Dallas Cowboys well, he's and hate it down. Lot. He's going to hate it a lot more in the days and weeks to come because well, I ain't going to let up. They got a game Monday night against Tampa Bay. <laughs> I ain't going to let up. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, all, coming. All, I mean, I'm coming. I'm <laughs> coming. But the, I want to see. Listen, I like right. Tom Brady. That story never ends for me. Right. I always cheer for him. Yeah. But I also like I'm a Dak fan also. Yeah. I think he's, I, I think his time is, is now, and mm-hmm. hopefully this year we'll see who he does. Better hope for it. So we could talk about all that, but that's not why I wanted this interview. Mm-hmm. After re, I, I thought this interview was gonna be about all these wonderful people that you know and, and, you know, work with and mm-hmm. interview and talk to and, yeah. and your life and career a little bit. But sure. This isn't really what that book is about to me. Mm-hmm. The book is really about you and about how you were able to overcome all of that to become this huge star. Everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And it was funny. You mentioned at one point in the book, you might you hosted for Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. Is late night in my future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't ask me to be on your show. because no, The no. answer is no, oh, please. You'll come on. If I want you to come <laughs> on as many times as I appear for you, you
4: would come on my show. I would. But, but, I would. but, but listen, I, uh, listen, I like to have a good time. Um, contrary to what people believe, I've, I've always wanted to do late night. But I've got a lot of different aspirations, whether it's radio, it's podcast, it's my production company, or whatever. But I think that I've 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 been blessed and fortunate enough to be in a position where I can have an impact. And what I try to do is just have an impact and and encourage people to be open to an abundance of. So that's what I want to ask next.
0: You promised your mom that you would not write this book until she passed away. That that's was right. a little weird to me. I didn't know why. My mother was incredibly private. And she did not want
4: everyone to know what my father put her through. Okay. She did not want to be alive Fair. when that happened. I think and so. She asked me in two to around, I think it was 2010 going into 2011. She made me swear to her that I would never write this book as long as she was alive because she knew I would talk about my father.
0: I only have two minutes left so, and I want, I want to take this as an opportunity because I think this is such a powerful life story. Um, what do you say? to young people that go through adversity. There's a lot of people that look up to you mm-hmm. that are growing up in either similar circumstances, maybe worse circumstances. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pain in this country. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of there's a lot of violence. I keep talking about we need law and order and safety and security yep. if you want people to sure. pursue happiness. Right. There's a lot of crap going on yeah. and but people look up to athletes. Mm-hmm. They look up to people like you. My mm-hmm. son looks up to you. I don't know why, but he looks up to you more than me. <laughs> and but you have a message for people what is it to those to the younger people that are facing challenges and and things we can't even imagine
4: stop thinking that the world is against you no matter what we're going through in this country no matter what we're going through in this world there's far more good than bad i wouldn't be where i am today if it were not for so many people who extended a helping hand one of the things that i bring up in the book is my time at the winston salem journal the entire staff was white and I remember their names, Steve, Steve Mann, Dan Loman, Terry Oberly, Phil Rischak and these guys, uh, you know, Lennox Rawlings and all these guys. They could not have been more generous. They could not have been more kind. They could not have been more giving of their time and their efforts. If it were not for them, I wouldn't be here. Um, and the same goes for Kevin Whitmer, the former sports head of the New York Daily News and the Gary Howards and the Mike Brutes of the world and so many other people that have helped me along the way. I didn't get here just because of my skill set. I had to develop those skills. Somebody had to help me do it. Somebody had to see something in me, believe in me, and then extend themselves in order to help facilitate me being where I am today. That's everywhere. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you can go. There is always someone willing to extend themselves to help you be your best self. And that alone should be inspirational enough for you to want to be the best that you can be. Because you will owe it not just to yourself, but to them. And that's how you make the world a better place. Because it's not just about getting to that place. It's about having recall and remembering those folks helped
0: you. I got to go. I got to <laughs> wrap things up. Right. I love the book. I want everybody to get a copy of it. It's called Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. The one and only Stephen A. Smith. I appreciate you, man. Thank I you can't so much. believe we've been friends this long, and I didn't know a lot of this. Yeah. Amazon.com, yeah, I know. Hannity.com, <laughs> bookstores everywhere. As of next week. All right. When we come back, we'll change gears back to politics and the other issues of the day.